up. Your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League, college football, some college basketball. Yes, it's exam week, but some teams are still playing games. Some NBA, as Derrick Rose hit a game winner last night. And Paul George got booed in Indianapolis by the fans of his former team, the Pacers, while leading his new team, the Clippers, to yet another victory. The NHL is on my mind. The Panthers are on a difficult, excuse me, the Hurricanes are on a difficult five-game road trip. A four-game tour of Western Canada begins tonight in Edmonton, which has one of the best records in the Western Conference. Meanwhile, as the Canes, in playoff position, but barely, Go on the road for, I see, five straight matchups, none of which will cough up easy points. The Dallas Stars are the latest to fire their head coach for non-hockey-related reasons. Former Canes coach Bill Peters axed by Calgary for racism and physical abuse reasons. Jim Montgomery of the Dallas Stars fired today for, quote, unprofessional conduct. No details yet on what exactly that phrase means in this particular case. Tory Holt is headed into the Hall of Fame tonight in New York City. The former Wolfpack and NFL superstar wide receiver goes in with, among others, former FSU D-back Terrell Buckley. Remember him? Former Notre Dame wideout and return man extraordinaire Rocket Ismail. Former Texas quarterback Vince Young. I think UNC coach Mac Brown remembers him fondly. They are among the 14 former players and coaches in this year's class of inductees. Of course, we celebrate Tory Holt, former Wolfpack superstar, also to this day a man of distinction in the community and in the business world while always representing the colors of North Carolina State University. We have an NC State versus the NCAA case to explore to the degree that you would like us to explore it or not. I have an NFL question of the day, a college football question of the day. We have two great guests on the way. Will Brinson on the NFL from CBS Sports. Luke Hancock of ESPN and the ACC Network on college basketball. He remembers six years ago was the most outstanding player at the Final Four as the Louisville Cardinals under coach Rick Pitino won that NCAA title. The sharpshooter actually came off the bench is, and is the only to this moment off-the-bench player to be the most outstanding player at the NCAA Final Four. Luke Hancock, third hour on College Hoops. Will Brinson, this hour on the NFL. Your questions, comments, and complaints on those topics and others in between. As the questions that hit my inbox on the NC State case, if you didn't know, a 66-page Wolfpack response was published yesterday. All of this tracing, of course, to the Dennis Smith Jr. recruitment and signing and participation. He did turn out to be only a one-year player for the Wolfpack. Wolfpack, but there's in the court of public opinion a lot of evidence that not only did his family or he or both take money while still an amateur, which would have made him ineligible to play for the Wolfpack or anybody else. In the court of public opinion, there's a lot of evidence that all of that happened, but in the court of NCAA compliance, if you will, it is different. The bottom line is, I think most who know the facts of this case realize 
that there's plenty of evidence for the fact that Dennis Smith Jr. and or his family took money in ways that basically mean the Wolfpack used an ineligible player. And the most common penalty for that is that you vacate all the victories from that year where you used that player. Would that be the biggest penalty in the Wolfpack's case? Not really. It was a bad year, 2016-17. DSJ, of course, off to the NBA after that one season with the Wolfpack. But the former Pack coach Mark Gottfried is accused in this case. The former Wolfpack assistant Orlando Early, now an NBA scout, is accused in this case. And whereas there are four charges overall, there's really only one that matters on a really large scale. It's called a level one violation in NCAA parlance. And that is the one involving Dennis Smith Jr. or his family taking $40,000 or more with the direct assistance of someone like Orlando Early, who was on the Wolfpack's payroll at the time. That makes it even worse, of course, than just accepting something from a third party without the help of someone on the payroll at a particular university or athletic department. What is the Wolfpack's argument? We'll get to that to the degree that you want to get into. I've gotten a lot of questions. What are the odds that this case and any sanctions that may come would affect this year's team? Remember, Kevin Keats and these players had nothing to do with this wrongdoing. This is from yesteryear. Uh, I'll tell you the timetable. I'll tell you the odds of that. What exactly is the Wolfpack's argument? What is that timetable for a verdict? Many of these questions I can actually answer definitively. Some of them don't have absolute answers, but we can explore them to the degree that you wish. We'll take your questions and comments in a little bit at 1-800-849-2761. What is the difference between facts and evidence available to us, the so-called court of public opinion, compared to the facts and evidence available to the NCAA enforcement staff and later the NCAA infractions committee? That ended up being really important, remember, when UNC lawyered up and essentially wiggled off the hook, not in the court of public opinion. They still got a lot of criticism about the AFAM scandal. They still had to deal with their accrediting body. That doesn't look like an upstanding university to us. But they got off the NCAA hook entirely. Remember, after some misguided, uneducated, and not understanding of the rules, people were telling you that Carolina was going to get the death penalty while people like Jay Billis and I were telling you they weren't going to get any sanctions at all, in all likelihood. It ended up being the latter. There is another difference. The cases, of course, have major contrasts one to the other, but there is a similarity or two that we can explore with your assistance. 1-800-849-2761 will be your ticket into the program. The college football question of the day is this. Is the four-team playoff the best way to decide an FBS national champion? This year, actually, it worked pretty darn perfectly. Do you feel bad for two-loss Georgia that just got trounced in the SEC title game? Do you feel bad for two-loss Pac-12 champ Oregon, which scheduled up in the non-conference schedule but lost that game to Auburn? Nobody with one of those, we're going to dissect all the one-loss resumes and we're going to feel bad about leaving somebody out. That didn't happen this year. The four best teams were four of the five Power Five conference champions. Three were undefeated, so there's no debate. And then one, Oklahoma, did go 12-1 and one and did get that all-important, specifically under the rules, it matters a lot, conference championship label. So it was Sooners, Buckeyes, Tigers, and Tigers, with Clemson and LSU sharing that nickname. This year, the system worked perfectly, really. Even if you'd prefer a larger bracket, the question is, 
because it worked perfectly this year, does that mean it is the best way to decide an FBS national champion? I'll offer my thoughts. We will welcome yours. How long do the current contracts run? Do you know how long we have this system? Not that contracts can't be broken, but it ain't close. These contracts run well into the future. Would TV executives pay even more money for an eight-team bracket? The short answer to that is yes, which means it'll probably come someday. We can explore those things while also hitting in the NFL. My Eagles may have saved their season last night with a thrilling comeback overtime win over the New York Giants in Philadelphia. The way the rules work, somebody's got to win the NFC East. And the way the rules work, you actually get a home playoff game. Even if you're 6-10, and 10, you get a home playoff game. The Dallas Cowboys are 6-7. and seven. The Eagles are 6-7. and seven. They do play each other in the final three weeks of the season. So you can't be any worse than 7-9, and nine, the NFC East champion. Eli Manning looked good for about the first half of last night's Monday night football matchup. Brother Peyton cheering him, among others, from the luxury box. But the Eagles' D then shut the Giants and Eli down the rest of the way, and Carson Wentz worked some magic into overtime as the Eagles stay alive. And as other, elsewhere in the NFL, folks are asking the question, have the New England Patriots been caught cheating again? Y'all remember Spygate, which to me was a massive blemish on Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick and the Tom Brady era. Y'all remember Deflategate, which to me was not nearly as much of a blemish. Now there's a new thing, more videotaping of an opponent. Happens to be this week's opponent. We'll get into those details. We'll get into the power rankings, if you will, not one through 32, of course. But the best bets to make a Super Bowl run, my list and maybe yours, begins with the Baltimore Ravens. But there are at least a half a dozen other teams that can still fit that description between now and when the playoffs begin. 1-800-849-2761. More of my thoughts on those Hall of Fame, hockey, NBA, college hoops, college football, NFL, and Wolfpack versus the NF NCAA stories. We'll take your questions on those on the other side. Luke Hancock later on college hoops. Will Brinson this hour on the National Football League. It was a 66-page response by NC State to the NCAA. Now the NCAA gets 60 days to respond to that response. Could sanctions come in time to hurt this year's Wolfpack team? That I can give you a definitive answer to. The rest of it can be shades of gray. 1-800-849-2761. As I say hello to my producer, Darren Vaught, also intern Sam, representing, as always, with distinction, the University of North Carolina. He will be the first voice you hear if you dial 1-800-849-2761. On today's program, Darren, as is the case every day on the David Glenn Show, no one is above the law. No one is above the law. Not the host, not the producer, not the interns, not the callers. Nobody is above the law, Darren. 1-800-849-2761. Those stories, your calls, those guests later. We're glad you're a part of it on the David Glenn Show. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 
Will Brinson on the NFL later this hour. Luke Hancock of ESPN on College Hoops' third hour. Have the New England Patriots been caught cheating again? More on that story in a little bit. Is the four-team college football playoff the best way to decide an FBS national champion just because it seemed to work basically perfectly this year? Your answers to that with mine as well, 1-800-849-2761. And the NC State versus the NCAA case came out with a new twist late yesterday after the conclusion of our show when NC State officials filed and made public a 66-page response to the NCAA on the charges related to the Dennis Smith Jr. episode where he was recruited by the Wolfpack, then coached by Mark Gottfried, former assistant coach Orlando Early. Of course, ended up signing with the Pack, played one year with the Pack. It was not a very good year for the Pack. Only 15 wins, I think it was, in 2016, 2017. It was a very good year personally for Dennis Smith Jr. He was the ACC Freshman of the Year and then turned pro as a one-and-done guy and has since moved on to the mega millions of the, NCAA, of the NBA. 1-800-849-2761 if I can clarify anything or answer your questions. Some of the questions I've gotten are trickier than others, so let me kick aside the easier-to-answer ones. Is anyone still at NC State accused of any wrongdoing of any kind? Answer, no. This has absolutely nothing to do with Kevin Keats, his assistant coaches, or any Wolfpack player that is there now. The next question is always, well, if those guys had nothing to do with any wrongdoing, and remember, the NC State folks are actually fighting some of the wrongdoing allegations. More on that in just a little minute. Can they get punished anyway? Well, the answer to that is yes. If you're still the head coach or you still are an eligible player by the time the verdict comes, well, you could be stuck on a roster when the Wolfpack, if the Pack got, say, a postseason ban while you were on the active roster, yeah, that would affect you even though you had nothing to do with the wrongdoing. That would affect Kevin Keats, although he and his staff had absolutely nothing to do with the wrongdoing. So, yeah, it can hurt you if you get scholarship reductions later as a byproduct of this case, certainly a postseason ban, and that's a pretty severe thing that the NCAA doesn't use often but would be possible. Nobody really cares if the Wolfpack has to vacate the 15 victories from a largely forgettable season three years ago when Dennis Smith Jr. was their star freshman point guard. It's those other penalties that do impact the future that would hurt more, right? Following that up, and this is one I got a lot late yesterday, Will the timetable allow for this Wolfpack team, which in my eyes is an NCAA tournament team for Kevin Keats, really good offensive diversity, really solid experienced eight-man rotation, will this timetable allow for the possibility that this Wolfpack team could be affected? Answer, no, and here's why. The Wolfpack just filed its response, meeting a deadline the way the rules work. Now the NCAA has a 60-day window to respond to the Wolfpack's response. Well, after that, it takes a while to schedule a conference in front of the NCAA Committee on Infractions. And by the time all of that shakes out, we're going to be at the earliest in the midst of March Madness. And it might not even shake all the way out until the summer. If any sanctions come, and some are expected, it will not impact the current Wolfpack team. Again, if you got sanctions in the middle of the summer and they involve scholarship reductions or a postseason ban, well, of course it impacts 
a future NC State team or more than one future NC State team. That all depends on what the sanctions are. But no, the current Wolfpack, these guys, the 2019-2020 team, will not be impacted by any sanctions that may come down the pike later. The most important thing to remember as you contemplate this case moving forward, there is an enormous difference, whether you're thinking back to the UNC AFAM scandal case or the current Dennis Smith Jr. scandal case at NC State. There is an enormous difference between the court of public opinion and the court of NCAA compliance. In the court of public opinion, there is no doubt in my mind, and there shouldn't be any doubt in anybody who's paying attention's mind, that this happened with Dennis Smith Jr. Do we have every last detail? No, we don't. But in case you didn't know, Orlando Early himself, while answering NC State's questions, said nothing happened. I don't have anything to do with it. I don't know anything. I'm not sure what you're talking about. And, and it was all deny, 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 deny. When NC, the NCAA wanted to interview Orlando Early, he was not available. However, and when Orlando Early communicated with Mark Gottfried, Mark Gottfried has texts saying, nothing happened here, man. Nothing to worry about. Keep moving. No problem. So Mark Gottfried saying, see, Orlando Early himself said nothing happened. NC State saying, see, Orlando Early himself said nothing happened. Well, as is the case frequently in the real world, those who are guilty lie. And the same man, Orlando Early, and this is hugely important, we know in the court of public opinion that Orlando Early, through his own attorney, responding to the federal government under potential penalty of perjury, admitted that this happened. It's hugely important to remember the difference, though. The court of public opinion, to me, you would be naive, clueless, and delusional to believe Orlando Early was telling the truth when he was denying it to everybody, but he was lying through his attorney when he was answering some scary questions from the federal government and the FBI. If you want to believe that, you can live on your own personal la-la land. I will make fun of you for being that naive and that delusional. What's important for NC State is that the court of public opinion does not matter beyond us discussing it. It doesn't matter in the eyes of the NCAA infractions committee. That piece of evidence that I just described, Orlando Early's attorney putting a statement, a memorandum into a federal government prosecution saying, yeah, this happened, is not evidence in front of the NCAA. And I know that's like a law and order frustrating moment for a lot of people. If you think, if you're one of those who thinks I want bad guys to get caught and I want bad schools to get prosecuted, yada, yada, yada. It's going to be frustrating to you because it's like in the Law & Order episode, everybody in the neighborhood knows the bad dude, you know, whatever, murdered the guy on the corner. And the little old lady looking from her window saw the whole thing happen, but guess what? She refused to testify. And they found the gun or the knife with fingerprints all over it from the defendant, but some technicality led the judge to throw that piece of evidence out, right? What matters is not whether the neighborhood knows that Joe committed the murder. That doesn't matter in the court of law. You got to prove it with that knife or that gun. You got to prove it with that eyewitness or otherwise. And if the best evidence is all thrown out to the side in the law and order episode, guess what? The bad guy usually gets away. In this particular case, 
Orlando early statement through his attorney to the federal government of the United States, which I would trust is pretty trustworthy, is not in front of the NCAA as we speak. That's a big, big deal. And that means, whereas I think the court of public opinion could render a verdict today. If you don't think this happened again, you're just naive. The court of NCAA compliance does not have the single strongest piece of information in front of it. And that means they got to try to figure out what happened without that piece of evidence. All sorts of other evidence from those FBI cases were transferred to the NCAA. That piece, for reasons not worth exploring because it's mindless legalese that gives me bad flashbacks to law school and the bar exam, just know that the strongest piece of evidence is not even there for the NCAA to consider. That helps the Wolfpack. Of course it does. Meanwhile, other things to remember. Although there are multiple NCAA charges against NC State, four to be exact, the only one that really matters on the large scale, it's called a level one violation in the NCAA parlance, the most serious type of thing you can be accused of. The only one that matters is really Dennis Smith Jr. and or his family taking $40,000 or more with the direct assistance of former NC State assistant coach Orlando Early. Now, there's other evidence showing what Early did. NC State is trying to poke holes in that evidence. They're arguing that the eyewitness that the FBI had is, you know, a bad guy and has a track record of dishonesty and you shouldn't believe him. And they're even arguing things like, well, y'all have evidence showing that T.J. Gasnola took $40,000 out of the bank and traveled to the state of North Carolina and did so on this date, et cetera. And the rest of TJ's story is that it went through Orlando Early of NC State to, to uh, a personal trainer of Dennis Smith Jr. and then assumedly to the family or the young player himself. DSJ, of course, told NC State, I don't know anything about anything. Take that for whatever you think it's worth. The only one of the four charges by the NCAA rises to a level that can mean serious sanctions. The other three, not good, but not horrible. And, and level two and lower violations happen all the time. It is almost entirely about what happened with Dennis Smith Jr. and his family and what role did NC State play. It is important to remember that the rules about the NCAA using an ev evidence and materials from a legal proceeding are new. So if, you know, I have a background in NCAA compliance. If, if there's a case that comes down the pike, we have probably nine times out of ten told you how it was going to unfold. Did I tell you that Memphis was going to have to cave on the James Wiseman case? Yes. Did I tell you why they were going to have to cave? Yes. After some really bad advice from his own attorneys, and I would have given him my advice for free, they finally came to the same conclusion that I was telling you all along. You're not going to win on these facts against the NCAA. You're not going to win by poking the NCAA in the eye and daring them to penalize you for using an ineligible player who may be the number one pick in next year's NBA draft. Bad idea, bad approach, don't do it. They eventually figured that out. They eventually backed down. The NCAA gave the young man a suspension, and once he serves that suspension, he's allowed to play. In most contexts, there might be decades of NCAA rules interpretations that you can lean on. How have I been able to steer you right in crazy cases like Miami and Penn State and UNC and others? Because I know about those decades worth of rules and interpretations. This rule about being able to take a legal proceeding and adopt the facts and evidence according to a very 
strict interpretation of what is allowed to be adopted and what is not allowed to be adopted, it's all brand new. How can I or anybody else tell you how the NCAA is going to interpret brand new rules that have barely ever been applied? You're not quite the first guinea pig where the NCAA, in this case, is using FBI investigations of fraud and other things. Like, people went to prison. And a byproduct of this is this huge mountain of evidence that the NCAA is adopting and applying against not only NC State, but a bunch of other cases around the country. NC State is attacking the credibility of the FBI's witness, T.J. Gasnola. And the Wolfpack is saying this. Even if you can prove that this guy was trying to funnel money to Dennis Smith Jr. and his family, there's no evidence in the record. Remember, they don't have that Orlando early admission that his attorney gave the federal government. There's no evidence in the record that proves Dennis Smith Jr. and his family actually received it. Now, some of you might say, come on now. <laughs> Common sense tells you, good old TJ, middleman for shoe companies or agents or otherwise. Uh, we have his bank record for withdrawing the 40 grand. We have... Uh, when he arrived in North Carolina, it matches up with other evidence in terms of the timetable. Are we really to believe that somebody in the midst of this transaction just disappeared with the 40 grand? The NCAA says circumstantial evidence, including Dennis Smith Jr.'s family, around the time of the 40,000 transaction, mysteriously moved from government-affiliated cheaper housing in Fayetteville, North Carolina, to voila, their own rental home around the same time now can the ncaa connect those dots they're saying they can nc state is pushing them they're saying wait a minute we don't have evidence in the record that orlando early handed this money forty thousand dollars or otherwise to sean Fa farmer the family trainer and we don't have evidence that sean farmer the family trainer turned around and handed either to dennis smith jr or his dad guess what those folks aren't talking to the ncaa Neither really is Orlando Early, who's an NBA scout now, and unless he wants to get back into college coaching, he doesn't have to answer the NCAA's questions either. NC State is lawyering up. NC State is challenging the NCAA to prove its case the way a defense attorney is taking advantage of some legal technicalities and trying to poke holes in the evidence or reduce the evidence against their client. This current NC State team is not going to be affected by whatever comes down the pike at some point later in the 2020 calendar year. But that's the NC State response. Within 60 days, we'll see how seriously or not the NCAA takes those arguments and that response. That is the current state of affairs for the Wolfpack versus the NCAA. Will Brinson, senior NFL writer for CBS Sports on the other side. We'll get to your questions about the Wolfpack versus the NCAA. Someone in on the NFL question of the day. Have the New England Patriots been caught cheating again? We'll get into that with Will Brinson here shortly. College football question is this. Is the four-team playoff the best way to decide an FBS national champion? This year it worked very smoothly, but that doesn't mean we like it for all of eternity. More on that story with more of your phone calls, some college hoops, NBA, NHL, and other things as well. Luke Hancock on college hoops later. Will Brinson on the NFL next on the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. 
Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Luke Hancock on college basketball in hour number three. How many ACC teams look like legit NCAA con title contenders here in December? I'd argue two, Duke and Louisville. How many ACC teams look like NCAA tournament caliber teams? I'd argue at least six and including all three in the triangle, Duke, UNC, and NC State. I expect that list to grow as we allow teams more time to develop more chemistry, et cetera. We'll get to the NBA, the NHL, the Hall of Fame, and the other headlines of the day. We'll get back to the NC State versus the NCAA story that took a new turn yesterday. But joining us now on all things NFL, senior NFL writer for CBS Sports, also host of the Pick 6 podcast on all things National Football League. We, of course, have three weeks to go in the regular season. I'll give you my power rankings a little bit later, led by the Baltimore Ravens, of course. Meanwhile, it was Eagles over Giants last night on Monday Night Football. Don't laugh. The six, six and seven Eagles are tied with the Cowboys for first place in the NFC East. And we have a new question. Have the New England Patriots been caught cheating again? The same organization caught red-handed in Spygate more than a decade ago. Remember, they were docked a first-round pick in the 2008 draft. They were fined $500,000, and they received, in some categories, the most extreme penalties the NFL could give because of the severity of the wrongdoing there. Now we have another episode, although it doesn't sound as bad. Will Brinson, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Have the New England Patriots been caught cheating again? <laughs> well, I mean, technically, I don't know if cheating is the word, but they have, we don't know. I mean, it remains to be seen when, when the, when the, the NFL does some kind of investigation, right? But I mean, they have knowing, no, they have inadvertently, their word, not mine, uh, violated rules by virtue of sending a video crew to the Bengals stadium and not alerting the league, or excuse me, to the Brown stadium, not alerting the league or the Cincinnati Bengals, their opponent the next week. Uh, this coming week, and uh, and that, that video crew who was a third-party contractor group uh, filming Bengals coaches, apparently, according to uh, multiple reports, notably from Paul Dana Jr. of The Athletic. Uh, so, yeah, Dave, I mean, this is a um, – it's like there's a, a couple of schools of thought here. One, w why are the Patriots trying to film the Bengals? Like, why <laughs> – like, if they were doing – if they were orchestrating this mad, like, vast conspiracy – to build out a uh, to build out video content on Patriots.com, the Do Your Job series, highlighting various uh, various you know uh, different people in the organization, only to to unleash uh, a, a, a an advanced scout a, a piece on an advanced scout and utilize it to steal the Bengals signals. Like why the Bengals? You know, <laughs> maybe right. surely there was another team that you could have you know gotten this on. I don't know, maybe the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean because it's the Patriots. Because they are the, you know, really the, the lightning rod for all all controversies in the NFL, and because Spygate One exists, um, you know, this this became this became a thing. I would like to point out that the, this is not even the most egregious thing the Patriots have done recently. They cost me first place <laughs> in the bubble pool in the bubble pool run by uh, uh, Bubba in Greensboro. Uh, it, because they lost to the Texans last Sunday night. So I would like to thank the Patriots. That's the worst thing that they did. That's egregious. Will Brinson is joining us on the David Glenn Show at Will Brinson. Because this is one of the great dynasties in all of American professional sports, I just want to follow up with this. From my vantage point on the outside, this looks like it could have been an oopsie. 
Like, like we got the Browns' permission to be there. We forgot to ask the Bengals. We're playing the lowly Bengals this week. Whatever. I find it believable that this was just accidental. I, I also am not going to hammer Bill Belichick for all eternity over Deflategate either. Spygate to me, going back to the last decade, the whole his explanation back then was, well, I thought we were allowed to videotape opposing coaches' signals as long as we didn't use that to advantage within the same game that we were videotaping them. I found that to be one of the most laughable, like, if we need an excuse, if we get caught, what are we going to say? Just, just inauthentic explanations. And to me, it'll always be a blemish, even though I think the Patriots deserve credit for a hundred different things. Uh, do you agree with that pecking order that this probably is small potatoes uh, compared to what Spygate was in that case? It appears for years they were videotaping opposing coaches' signals in violations of NCAA, of NFL rules. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say a couple of things there, Dave. One, like in 2019, it's a lot less necessary to film co- coaching signals. Like, you don't need. There's, a, there's nothing being transmitted by hand signals anymore because you have the electronic communications. You got the mic, you know, you got the microphone and the helmet and all that. So I, I don't think that you're gaining as much of an advantage by doing it. Now you might pick up. I think that if you gave Bill Belichick, uh, you know, four hours of film on of zoomed in film on every head coach in the NFL, uh, you know, he could pick up on some tendencies right. that could help you out. I don't know if you saw the the Urban Meyer clip out there, but he he points out that he would find out what coaches were heavily involved in special teams and then he would wait if, if they weren't heavily involved uh he would see he would he would watch them throughout the game and if they ran down and like gotten like a hunched position on a punt he knew something fishy was up right because they were all of a sudden interested in a punt right um and and then you know whoever put the clip on the internet cut to bill belichick in the super bowl last year going where's mcveigh where's mcveigh i can't see him you know he, he's looking for the opposing coach so there there is something that i think that the patriots could glean from that i, I would agree with you that um, this this feels like much smaller potatoes than than what happened in Spygate, where walkthroughs were being filmed. And and then look, when the NFL in, you know sent investigators to Gillette Stadium, they destroyed the tapes right. on site. Right. They destroyed all the documents, all the notes on site. And then you have later, you know, I mean, you talk to people from the Rams. I mean, you, Tory Holt's spoken out about this. Ma- Marty Herney's spoken out about this. People from the Patriots, the Rams. Um, I, I think the Eagles probably have too, although maybe not in. in is explicitly um, all the teams that lost those early Super Bowls to the Patriots are like, well, they felt like they knew all our plays, you know? And, and so all those things are very different than this. I will point out from a outside the lines article, I think from 2017 from Don Van Natta and Seth Wickersham, it's, if you haven't read it on the play on, on Spygate, the first one, it's, it's great, but this is the quote. The Patriots videographers were, were told to look like media members to tape over their team logos or turn their sweatshirt inside out to yeah. wear credentials that said Patriots TV or Kraft Productions, and they were provided with excuses to tell NFL security if asked what they were doing. Yeah. Tell them you're filming the quarterbacks or the kickers or footage for a team show, yeah. which, you know, it's sort of what they're – that's the excuse right now. So I, I think if this were like the Chargers, it would be – we'd be like, those guys are idiots and move on to the next thing. But because it's the Patriots, it's easy to get locked in and to imagine these vast conspiracies unfolding. Will Brinson joining us on the David Glenn Show. Find his Pick 6 podcast everywhere. Find his work at CBSSports.com as well. Three teams posted road victories this weekend that jumped out at me. Chiefs go to New England and beat those Patriots. 
The Ravens go to Buffalo and beat what looks like a playoff caliber Bills team. And the 49ers beat the Saints in New Orleans in a way that kind of surprised me. The details, not the 49ers defense, but 48-46 over New Orleans. You know, who knows, maybe they meet again in the postseason. Uh, is your pecking order still the Baltimore Ravens and then a drop to everybody else? Or are there a couple other teams playing just as well as Baltimore right now? Yeah, I think you got to put San Francisco up there. Now, uh, they lost their center, Weston Richburg to a season-ending injury. Richburg's a really underrated player, a great center. Um, they didn't really skip a beat when he went out, which was surprising. It felt it typically uh, – but, you know, a lot of times when you back up center, that's sort of an underrated drop-off in terms of offensive production the next week, and especially in a, you know, a system like Kyle Shanahan's that requires so much intric- in, in, you know, intricacies, intricacies excuse me, with, uh, with the offensive line. I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, if maybe they struggled a little bit on offense this week. But um, certainly – you know, I think San Francisco going on the road and keeping it close to Baltimore and then going on the road you know, in, a, in, a, in a physical match and then going on the road and, and getting involved in a shootout with New Orleans, they showed you they can win different ways. And that was impressive by Jimmy Garoppolo. The Saints defense and the 49ers defense wasn't good on, on Sunday. Right. But Drew Brees lighting it up. That's something we haven't, we haven't seen him challenge vertically like that in quite a while. That's a, that's a big deal for the Saints, I think, because this is a team that has the defense when they're playing at their top level. And we know they have the players on offense. We haven't seen them really rev it up. And they did it without Alvin Kamara doing a whole lot. I mean, that's a team, the Saints, that I, you know, I wouldn't discount at all. They got the, 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 the division title in their back pocket. They've already clenched. Um, they, need to, they need to make a run for that one or two seed to get home field advantage for at least one game, maybe get a bye. But I think New Orleans, is, in New Orleans uh, San Francisco, and, and Baltimore, for me, are probably that top group. And then I, I tell you what, I wouldn't sleep on Kansas City, Dave, yeah. because – when you, when you look at what they've done this year, the additions are like Tyron Matthew, um, Rashad Breeland playing really well at cornerback. He had that big play on, on, on Julian Edelman. Frank Clark had some monster plays, including pressure on, on Tom Brady on the final offensive play for the Patriots. That's a team that has sort of a 2006 Colts or like 2009, maybe 2006 Colts feel to it. They haven't quite gotten there offensively, though. But defensively, they're starting to kind of coalesce as they get down the stretch run. And if the Chiefs have a good defense and Patrick Mahomes can get healthy and play play well in the playoffs, whew, watch out, man. That could that team could steal something. It's going to be a lot of fun because even if you had a top five of Ravens, Saints, Niners, Chiefs, Patriots in whatever order, I mean, you still have Seattle at ten and three, and Green Bay at ten and three, and Minnesota at nine really and started. four, and yeah. uh, the Titans are playing well, and and the Texans are dangerous, and the Bills are better than they usually are. Uh, one last thing for you, of course, on the Carolina Panthers with Ron Rivera. The Panthers got embarrassed at home by the Atlanta Falcons. Without Ron Rivera, the Panthers got embarrassed in Atlanta by those same Falcons. Uh, what educated speculation do we have? at this still early stage of David Tepper's coaching search, uh, just anything that either makes sense to you uh, or, or otherwise fits the picture, because I imagine there's not a whole lot of reporting to be done just yet. Yeah, I don't, you know, they're not really doing a whole lot of deep digging into any, any particular, um, you know, candidates right now, I don't think. I would anticipate that they'll probably interview somebody like a Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, even, you know, what, like regardless of what you think about him, he, he won a Super Bowl, won 60% of his games, yep. has been working in the offseason. So I, I think they'll probably interview somebody like him. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, you know, Josh McDaniels is a the guy they look at, uh, especially with the connection, you know, Nick Casario is supposed to be a free agent. That duo could come along. Also wouldn't be shocked either if they, if they went out and, 
try to get somebody from Pittsburgh in terms of the front office, and then maybe you move from there. It does sound like he's going to go after the coach before the GM, though, or the, the assistant GM, excuse me, Marty Herney, uh, sticking around there. They're going to build out a, a bigger front office. I think it's smart. You get more heads. You know, it's not a cooks-in-the-kitchen situation to me. It's You're putting people in place to succeed. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll probably get an offensive mind, though, is what he'll target in that coaching search. Will Brinson on Twitter, at Will Brinson, online, cbssports.com. Check out the Pick 6 podcast. It is very popular as well. Thanks for the visit, man. Happy holidays to you and yours. Hey, you got it, Dave. And, uh, hey, shout-out to the Macaulay School. It's not, it's not North Carolina, but state champions in Tennessee. Wow. Alma mater, great work. Huh? That is your alma mater, Will Brinson? Oh, yeah. Macaulay, All right. Man. The Macaulay School. I've heard of that. I didn't know you were among the prominent alumni of that fine institution. Uh, me, yeah, me, me and Ted Turner, man. Awesome, man. Congratulations on the latest title. Did you play there or were you just writing there? Uh, no, I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm a writer, not a fighter. All right. I don't know. You could have been one of those ex-players like a Joe Person who, who uh, translate that, translates that background into his on-field no, I expertise. Wouldn't, I wouldn't tussle with Joe. Joe's, Joe, Joe would wreck me. In a, yeah, in I hear a, you, man. I, I've known Joe since he was looking like he could play Division One college football. I hear you. Thanks <laughs> for the visit, man. You got it. 1-800-849-2761. The most interesting thing Bill Belichick said today about this whole video gate scandal thing, which again, I think is small potatoes, but I'll, I'll never give them the benefit of the doubt for Spygate. To me, it was blatant cheating and they actually had the bogus explanations in case they got caught, which they did. It is a great example of crossing the line. Looking for edges in legal ways, I'm in favor of it. It's one of the main reasons Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. Crossing the line into what you know is illegal and you actually build in excuses just in case you get caught. Oh, 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 I didn't know I wasn't allowed to video them if I wasn't taking advantage of that video in the same game I was illegally videotaping those opposing coaches. That sounds like something you kept in your back pocket just in case you got busted, which they did, and the penalties were as severe in some categories as the NFL permits by its rules. So you know how seriously they took it a little bit more than a decade ago. The most interesting thing Belichick said earlier today with your phone calls on the college football playoff, the Patriots, NC State versus the NCAA, Luke Hancock of ESPN on College Hoops later. More of your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Hour number two will begin with your phone calls. Michael has an idea on the college football playoff. Is four teams the right number? It turned out to be this year. Does that mean it's really the right approach to crowning a champion? 1-800-849-2761. Why I believe that the argument that there are too many bowl games is a fundamentally bad argument. I'll get to that as we start our number two. NC State versus the NCAA. I gave you my breakdown early, earlier. Maybe you have questions or comments in response. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. And the most interesting thing Bill Belichick said this morning, as the Patriots are accused of once again cheating through the use of video. Those stories and your calls are next. 
Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour of sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show.